moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, through what the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1,400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn the cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son. A superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? 
A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses to top Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern. Absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First, help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh, from the beginning, ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now, in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of a mortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading tonight will be Numbers, the 13th chapter, and that will please be read by Dr. Karen Gagne of the Madison, Wisconsin School. And if we could begin class with a prayer from Dr. Rick Ensenroth of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Let's take a minute and thank Yahweh for allowing us to gather again, imparting knowledge, giving us wisdom and all his attributes. Thank him for his love and grace. In Yahshua's name, let us all say hallelujah. Okay, I'll be reading Numbers, the 13th chapter. Carla, you want all of those names read, huh? No, you can, you can skip over the list of the tribes and the men. Okay, so just start at 1 and then skip to 17? Yes. Okay, thank you. You're good. Or 16. Six, okay, 16, gotcha. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Numbers 13, 
and one. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by commandment of Yahweh, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Yeshua, or Yeshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first stripe, first stripe grapes, first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, Fishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. The Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eshkol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshkol, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, 
we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Numbers 13. Thank you. Our readers this evening will be Karen and myself. And welcome, everyone. We're glad to have you here. We're going to start class with a bit of a workshop. Uh, Carla Kinley Davis is here from Cincinnati, Ohio, and she will be our first speaker. If any questions arise during the workshop format, you can go ahead and either put the question in the chat box here on Zoom, or you can raise your little hand emoticon to be acknowledged. But we'll just pass the floor over to Carla Kinley Davis. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Hey, Carla. Good evening. Hi. Um, well, I uh, asked to um, join you guys this evening because well, over the weekend, uh, Lansing event, um, their topic was Jubilee. And um, I had had the opportunity to listen to a little of Sasha's uh, lecture. Uh, I actually didn't catch the beginning, um, so I, I didn't hear the whole lecture yet. But um, what I did hear of his lecture until the end, um, I heard him mention about um, Jericho in his uh, uh, discourse. And because the topic was Jubilee, and um, because Sasha had mentioned Jericho, I sent him a message. Um, I wasn't there at the event, um, but I sent him a message and asked him if he knew where uh, John in Revelations mentions uh, that event with Jericho. Um, so I'm here today to hopefully go over that and kind of give a little context on that, as well as um, in relation to Jubilee. Um, it's uh, This is the beginning of, um, uh, it's, it's a long topic, but this is the beginning of it. Um, so, if it's something that everyone would like to uh, explore more in the future, I'd be willing to to cover the topic. Um, so um, uh, there's a couple of things that I would like um, read. John 5, we're going to do a lot of reading, but we're not going to be jumping around a lot, um, only because this is there's no no need to rush, and I want to make sure that everyone, um, not just Sasha, but everyone can understand um, what I'm talking about here. 
And hopefully, if you get anything out of it, you can share it with others, um, because I believe it's an important topic for everyone. Um, just to get off track a little bit, um, I don't know if everyone's aware of the open letter to the IDMR that's been floating around. Mm -hmm. um, I just had an opportunity to actually sit down quietly and read the whole letter yesterday, last night, actually. And um, this, <laughs> I'll, I, I actually plan on writing something and sending it to whomever the writer or writers are, um, because uh, this topic, as well as other things, there's so much that they don't understand and the people that taught them don't understand. And it, it's sad, but um, uh, hopefully I can help a little bit to ease whatever pain they have. So if you happen to know who those people are or find out in the future, um, and a little bit of what I'm talk gonna talk about tonight, if you could share it with them, please do so. Okay, so if you could, uh, I'll, I'll uh, read John 5, start at 31. We'll read to the end of the chapter. And then the second um, uh, chapter, I'd like to read Isaiah 28 and 9. Um, so the, the topic of uh, um, the jubils or jubilee, um, I'm, you have to forgive me, I'm not a public speaker. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, with what Moses had written about the conquering or Yahshua, Yahshua had written in the book of Joshua um, about the conquering of um, Canaan. And the first city they went to conquer was um, Jericho. So um, one of the topics that Dr. Kinley uh, years ago would always talk about is how that John and wrote or saw the same thing that Moses wrote, uh, saw and wrote about. <laughs> okay. So in order to get an understanding of uh, where it's written in the Law and the Prophets about um, this conquering of, um, I don't know why I'm so nervous, <laughs> this conquering yeah. of uh, Canaan's land and Great being able to tie it with Revelation. Can you still hear me? Yeah, we can mm -hmm. hear you. Okay. Um, you have to, you have to have some understanding about prophetic time. Okay, now um, I'm going back in my memory banks here, and um, uh, hopefully I remember uh, correctly, but years ago I remember uh, Dr. Bob Buffington in Springfield, who's one of our uh, teachers, he's passed on, some of you uh, probably knew him. I remember him getting up on the floor uh, several times and talking about how he had a um, 
a discussion with uh, Dr. Kenley, um, and he had mentioned to Dr. Kenley his concept of what he thought Dr. Kenley saw in his vision. And Dr. Kenley um, said, no, that's not quite right. So uh, I don't, Rosie, you might, I don't know if you remember or not, you may not. Um, but then he rephrased it and Dr. Kenley was like, no. <laughs> so he asked him, what did you see? And Dr. Kenley said uh, that I saw the prophetic sequence. Now the same, the reason why I remember Dr. Buffington saying that is because the same conversation was had. This was in Springfield. The mm -hmm. same conversation was had uh, with my uncle, my uncle, Daryl Kenley. He's one of my dad's, my father's last living brothers. And at the time he was living in uh, Los Angeles. And my uncle is actually the one that drew and painted the ages and dispensations chart that all the schools have right now. And he often, for years and years, he's always told um, all of us, all of his nieces and nephews about how he was a young man in his 20s um, and he had, he was, you know, trying to learn the teaching um, and he drew out the ages and dispensations and he brought it up to his grandfather's apartment and rolled it out and showed it to him. And he said that his grandfather looked it over and was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's right. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then then he told him, he told his grandson, he said, well, it's not quite right. So they had had a conversation. This is the chart that you all use. Okay. So um, he had a conversation. Dispensations, Rick. Yeah, speak up. So, say that again. Oh, okay. Yep. This right here. So, um, um, my uncle and Dr. Kinley, you know, had a conversation about it. He said it, it was good, but there was some, some things that weren't quite right that could cause some misunderstanding. So my uncle asked him if, you know, if he continues studying, will he, um, understand, eventually understand. And Dr. Kinley told him, this is my uncle's testimony. He can, of course, tell it a lot better than I, but he told him that, yes, he would understand. So what was it that he said that he would understand? My uncle would always, for decades now, always tells us that his grandfather told him that what he saw in his vision was the prophetic sequence. And that's, I'm bringing these two up because when I heard Dr. Buffington say it, I said, that's the same thing he told my uncle, <laughs> you know? So two different individuals, two different locations told him the same thing, didn't tell him anything different. So um, I'm bringing that up because um, um, when you read in Joshua about 
the battle for Jericho and you read in John, um, if you don't understand the prophetic sequence, if you do not understand prophetic time, you will not know that those two uh, scriptures are talking about the same thing. Okay. It's, it's a repetition. It's exactly what um, Dr. Kinley had uh, painted on the uh, chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. He illustrated the prophetic sequence and that's documented in your Bible according to the pattern that's also in your Bible. The 40 plate chart or the 40 foot chart that he had R.P. Kenley paint, which is um, my uncle and my father's father. That also shows you the prophetic sequence according to the divine pattern of the universe. When you look at the Moses chart, which is also called Elohim, the archetype, original pattern of the universe. If you look at it, uh, RP also painted that. That was RP's last chart that he painted just before he died. Um, when he died, there was no lettering. It was just the illustration. And then my Uncle Glenn and Uncle Jack were told by Dr. Kinley to come and uh, get the chart from Christine and bring it to Los Angeles. So that's how it got there, um, the original one. But some of us know where the original one is at now. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, oh, so my point is the prophetic sequence. So if you look at this chart, the Moses chart, and you look at the creation by the pattern, which is those seven days of creation, you see there as well, the prophetic sequence by the pattern, specifically about the days of creation. So this is a common theme here. Now, um, I know a lot of people um, have difficulty with numbers, but we're not doing any kind of calculations that are calculus and geometry. If you know how to add and subtract multiply, divide, you're good, okay? If you have at least this five or six year education, you should be able to understand um, how to do um, the basics here and you can get a whole lot out of it. So um, uh, let's start with John 5, 31, and then after that, Isaiah 28. John 5 and 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me, 
You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And you have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him you believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of Yahweh in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from Yahweh only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Okay. So um, the the reason why I had that read is because I want you to pay particular attention to the Messiah. This was the Messiah speaking here. And he's telling the people that you're searching the scriptures. You're At the time, it was just the books of Moses and the prophets were the scriptures that they had, that they were searching. And they're thinking that they have eternal life in this book, but it's a testimony to the Messiah. And if you go back down to 46, he says that if you would have believed Moses, you would have, you would have believed me because he wrote of me. So, you know, in class we say, well, how did he write? How did Moses write of Yahshua? Right? So um, go ahead to uh, the next. Uh, Isaiah 28 and 9. Yep. Isaiah 28 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Keep going. Yes. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing yet they would not hear. But the word of Yahweh was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So this scripture here is a key to how Moses and the other prophets wrote of Yahshua. Um, this is the key also to understanding why the charts that Dr. Kinley had made um, to teach people what Yahshua or Yahweh revealed to him in the vision. This is line upon line, precept upon precept is 
how the prophetic sequence can be understood. No more than the cycle of repetition over and over and over again. That's why we go through the law, the prophets, the fulfillment. It's, it's a sequence. It's a repetition. Okay. And this is how you know that Yahweh is real, especially when you take those same principles, those same cycles, and you look out here at your news, you look at science, you look at mathematics, and you can see these same repetitions, these same cycles going on that will confirm one another and show you that how that you um, are a part of something wonderful and that Yahweh is. <laughs> I hope that's understandable. Um, so um, this is one of the things that in reading that open letter to the IDMR that became very obvious to me that whoever wrote it, unfortunately, um, they were not taught as they should have been. Um, so hopefully I can help a little later. Um, so um, uh, I ha we had numbers, the 13th chapter. We'll, we'll get into this, into the main topic right now. Uh, I'm glad we read numbers 13 because I was going to have you read it all. So we already have an understanding of how um, um, how that when the 12 were sent over into Canaan to spy out the land, that two came back, Caleb and Yahshua came back and said, we can take the land. These They're talking to the generation that came out of Egypt, that Yahweh had delivered out of Egypt, showed them many miracles, um, or um, um, do we want to use the word miracles? <laughs> but he 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 showed them um, a way out of no way. Okay, so um, they did not have because of the ten that discouraged the people from going over. Um, let's get Numbers the fourteenth chapter. The reason why I wanted 14, 13 read before was because of the way 14 begins. You, you get a context of why everyone is so upset. So Numbers 14 and 1. And we're, and gonna, all the we're gonna read, um, we might read the whole thing. Well, we'll read down to um, verse 38. Okay. You guys can take 38. turns if you want. I'm sorry? You can take turns if you want, if it's too much. Okay. We'll get there. Right. Okay. So numbers 14 and 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would Elohim that we had died in the land of Egypt, 
or would Elohim have had, or would Elohim we had died in this wilderness? So here we are, are, here we are, the whole congregation's upset, they're crying, they're murmuring, they're like, what is going on? These people are saying, we can't take the land. And two of them are saying, we can. Y'all, we say, that's why he brought us here. So everybody is highly upset. And that's why I had you read the 13th chapter. So you would know why. It's very un, uh, important to understand the context. So keep reading. Verse three. And where, wherefore hath Yahweh brought us unto this land? To fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were with them, which were of them, that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If Yahweh delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against Yahweh, neither fear you the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and Yahweh is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone, the, bade stone them with stones, and the glory of Yahweh appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And Yahweh said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto Yahweh, then the Egyptians shall hear it for thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land for they have heard that thou Yahweh art among this people, that thou Yahweh art seen face to face and that they and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because Yahweh was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Yahweh be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, Yahweh is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And Yahweh said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of Yahweh. Because all those men which have seen my glory 
and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And Yahweh spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith Yahweh, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even forty years, and you shall know my breach of promise. And I, Yahweh, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before Yahweh. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and gat them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here and will go up unto the place which Yahweh hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of Yahweh? But it shall not prosper. Okay, we go. Let's stop there. Um, so let's go back over. Um, now, um, when I, I, I don't know, I, I keep going back to this open letter. Um, there are, I'm going to open up here for me. There are some things that I read last night in the letter um, that were referenced, and it reminded me of this event. Um, and this, I was going to, you know, bring this out to Sasha before I even read this letter, this chapter, but it follows right along. Um, now, 
for me, the different events, I was not around when Dr. Kenley, um, when he predicted D-Day or the nomination and assassination of John F. Kennedy or the sinking of Thresher or um, when he mentioned about the aid, the present age not going past 2000 years. I was not around when he said all those things. And many of those people that did hear um, these things with their own ears are no longer around. Um, now the, the, these events were mentioned in this letter and I don't, again, I don't know who wrote it or what group wrote it, but I have a feeling that they missed an opportunity to talk. Um, yes, the, the open letter was the one that was sent out on Facebook. So um, uh, when I was reading it, I, I, I jotted down a few notes that, oh, um, the... Um, uh, the prediction of D-Day was given to my grandmother, Christine, um, back in 1944 in Cincinnati. And I remember Jack Carr talking about how he was uh, um, in class and that Dr. Kinley had, before JFK was even nominated uh, for president, how that Dr. Kinley was talking about him. Uh, and he didn't even know who he was. <laughs> well, I may be able to find Jack talk. Jack Carr is Ron Carr, the dean of Springfield's father. And um, the sinking of Thresher, the submarine uh, in 1963. Oh, my uncle Don, my dad's oldest brother, was in the Navy at that exact time. <laughs> and I remember him talking to me before he passed about um, uh, this event and another one while he was on the ship <laughs> where he served. Um, he served on Yorktown, which is now like a, um, it's a museum. Uh, it's in the East now, it's not out um, in the West. He was stationed out in um, Long, I think Long Beach, California. I have to go back. Um, and oh, about the year 2000, man, they don't understand anything about prophetic time. They don't understand anything about the ages and dispensations. They don't, they don't even know what body and the celeste, the celestial determines the beginning and end of an age. Yahweh in Genesis let, let's get that in, in Genesis, the first chapter, um, on the fourth day. Genesis 1.14, read that for me real quick. Genesis 1 and 14. And Elohim said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So these heavenly bodies, these cycles that we see with the earth and the sun 
and its motion is all um uh, it's all related to prophetic time and the cycles that you see and read about in the scriptures if you don't have a basic un if i start talking to you about um a week of days and i ask you uh what determines the length of a day what body in the celestial um determines the length of a day you should be able to tell me what that is what the cycle is the one complete revolution of the earth on its axis determines one day oh, or what is a week of years okay and what makes up a year yahweh put these things in um motion to um demonstrate times and seasons and whatnot to show his glory and we should be able to read these scriptures and see the same thing one of the things that i learned a lot uh, a whole lot from was uh, mrs gill um when i moved to springfield in the early 1990s i learned from her something that dr kindley sat down with her and showed her how to put those months of the year around the tabernacle and there is something very specific in the heavens that determines the start why does the first month start in the holy place why does it go the way it does mrs gill was learned this and she was able to um i'm sorry i'm taking such a detour <laughs> look at the news and was able to bring to class in springfield articles and put things according to the pattern because all of this is is related so you know with um i will have to go into 2000 um uh because you have to know what it is in the heavens that determines the age and age and we have what a week of ages i'm throwing that out there because i do want people to ask me questions um so uh to go back let's bring it on back to numbers now here it is yahweh has showed the people in the idmr different things and and dr kenley said that you know yahweh is with you right the same thing happened with israel yahweh showed israel things in egypt brought them out told them that you can take the land are you following me i hope yep yahweh was know. with them yep right they got right there right ready to cross over that generation that was delivered out of egypt and they said no we can't do it they believed the 10 that said no we can't do it and so then what happened yahweh got angry and what did he say about their little ones uh read again uh starting at 33 numbers 14 oh, and 33 let's, let's start at 31 actually okay but your little ones which you said should be a prey them will i bring in 
and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Yep. After the number of the days in which you search the land, even forty days each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities even forty years, and you shall know my breach of promise. Yep. So the the reason why I went back to that open letter and 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 this here is because when you read that letter, you you hear how um, how much pain whoever wrote it has because they were lied to and they believed it. And now they feel some sort of way about it. <laughs> um, and uh, it's the exact same thing that's going on. Um, and from what I see. So back to prophetic time. I, I think I saw something come up in the chat. What is is this the prophetic sequence that allowed Mary Gross to correctly determine the end time? That I don't know because I, I don't know. I just heard a couple of people mention about that, but I never talked to Mary about that. So I don't know all the details. But um, going back to, I do know that it is the pop prophetic sequence or prophetic time that Dr. Kinley sat down and demonstrated or showed my grandmother, Christine Kinley, um, in coming up with the date for D-Day. And I've talked about that before. I know that I talked some years ago in Syracuse. I don't know if anybody has uh, show the months laid out by the pattern. I can do that too. <laughs> um, so um, and me reading about these, I'm like, oh, there, there's, there's a lot of missing knowledge that needs to be um, um, explained and shared. So that's why I'm hoping that some of you that are better speakers than I can um, glean and share with other people. Um, okay, so verse 34, um, after the number of days in which he searched land, this is Yahweh's judgment to uh, Israel for not believing that they could take over the land. This Again, this is the generation that came out of Egypt. He said, after the number of days in which he searched the land, how many days did they search the land? The 12 that were sent over. Do you remember? We, we did read it. It was 40. 40. Yep, 40 days. Mm -hmm. So after that number of days in which he searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall, be, shall ye bear your iniquities even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. So this is where you pick up uh, prophetic time. Um, so prophetic time, according to what Moses wrote in numbers or the scribes that wrote for him had written 
A day for a year is the equation. That's what prophetic time. So for every day that you, uh, and we see it on the ages and dispensations charter. We see it on, let, let's do this, not the ages, let's stay on the Moses chart. We see it on the creation by the pattern there with the seven days of creation. Each one of those days can be equivalent to a year. It could be equivalent to a week. It can be equivalent to a month, a year, a millennium, an age. That's the sequence, a repeatable sequence here. It's prophetic. Okay. Does that make sense? So uh, let's... And I, I am bring I am going to bring in Jer Jericho here. Uh, so if someone can write in, well, I can write it in the chat. I'm just going to write here. Um, will this go to everyone? Meeting group chat. I'm going to write. This here is uh, 40 days is equal to 40 years. I want you to, you guys to keep this or a day is equal to a year. This is the calculation you want to keep in your Bible somewhere so that every time you see uh something about 40 days or seven days or whatever that you have something to look at a pattern to look at okay so jericho so also keep in mind where you pick up in the scriptures, that um, calculation of prophetic time. And I can also show you how to get a prophetic year. You have to go, Moses writes about a prophetic year. And that's in, um, I think, in Genesis. Um, did I see this, Carla? Let's see. Prophetic time is not within time, but manifested in time. <clears throat> um, I'm not sure I understand the question. Can you clarify your your question? Who's that? Whose question are we talking about? Um, I can't pronounce. It says B. 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 E. A. Day is eternity. Okay, so we can we can talk about uh, um, different days. <laughs> um, we can we can say a day is an evening and a morning. We can say a day is light and dark. We can say a day is twenty four hours. But what I'm talking about is a twenty four hour day equaling He's mentioning you know how it says in the book the day of eternity yeah that's a day as well 
but not with prophetic time. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. All right. So Joshua, the fifth chapter. Start at one. Yep. We're about to, get, about to get into the meat of, of it. I know I've gone a long way around, but um, go ahead. Okay. John 5, or Joshua 5 and 1. Yep. So we're going to read the whole book, uh, the whole chapter of Joshua 5, so that we can get some context on Joshua 6. Okay. 5 and 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that Yahweh had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel." So at this point, we were just in Numbers. Now we're in the book of Joshua. Now at this point, that generation that came out of Egypt, they've all passed. They're all gone. And those that now are going over into Canaan to take over the land, 40 years have passed. 40 years. So the children that were born in the wilderness or that were under the age of 20 when they came out of Egypt. They are the ones that are now about to cross over. And the Canaanites have heard a lot about these people, and they are scared. Go ahead. At that time, Yahweh said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise each or circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made them sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, <clears throat> them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of Yahweh, unto whom Yahweh sware that he would not show them the land, which Yahweh sware unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass, when they had done circumcised, when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And Yahweh said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore the name of this place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal, 
and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of Yahweh am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my master unto his servant? And the captain of Yahweh's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Continue on in six. Six and one. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And Yahweh said unto and Yahweh said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So you have the, these people in the city, they've heard of Israel and what Yahweh had done for them during their time in the wilderness for 40 years. And uh, and also what he had done in, to the Egyptians when they came out of Egypt. And now they know that they're coming. They're coming their way. And so nobody is leaving the city and nobody is coming in the city. They have closed themselves up. Okay, go ahead and read. Three, and you shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. So there be the army of um, men that are going over into Canaan. They're being told that we're going to go to Jericho to take over the city, and for six days. Once, one time each day, the whole army is going to walk all the way around the city. So the first day, the army walks around the city. The second day, they walk around the city once, all the way to the sixth day. Go ahead and read. Four, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpets. So after six days of uh, going around the city once every day, on the seventh day you're gonna they're gonna walk around the whole city seven times, and at the end of the seventh time, they're told that the seven priests are gonna blow the ram's horn. Mm -hmm. go ahead and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet 
all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of Yahweh. And he said unto the people, Pass on, and compass the city, and let them that is armed pass on before the ark of Yahweh. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests, bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, passed on before Yahweh, and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of Yahweh followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the re rearward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. So the ark of Yahweh compassed the city, going about it once. They came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of Yahweh. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of Yahweh went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rearward came after the ark of Yahweh, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on the day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for Yahweh has given you the city. Okay, that's, that's uh, good right there. Now I want to bring back to your remembrance, back when I had you read um, in... Uh, was it in John? Let's go back to John 5, 46. Read 46 and 47 again. John 5 and 46. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And if you remember when I had you read this earlier, I said one of the questions that you should be asking Yahshua or whoever is teaching you in one of these schools, how is it that Moses wrote about Yahshua? We're, we just read it here. The same Joshua, which is really Yahshua. It shouldn't be named Joshua. It should be Yahshua, the book of Yahshua. We're reading about Yahshua back there with the children of Israel. Um, 
the same Yahshua that was with the 12 disciples or apostles 1,500 years later. Okay, so this is one of the ways that you can show that Moses wrote or back there with Israel um, wrote of him. All right, so um, so we, we, we got the story of uh, Israel taking over their first city in the land of Canaan. And there's some, some items in the sixth chapter that I want you to pay attention to before we go to Revelation. So we have an army walking around the city in silence for six days. On the seventh day, they walk around six times around the city in silence. The seventh, after the seventh cycle around the city in silence, they are, the priests are to blow their horns. The people are to, the men are to shout and the walls are going to fall. So, um, there's a whole lot that I can share with you all. I'm sure that some of you may know about the um, principle of 1089 or 1096. All of this is related. Um, so uh, from this time, from the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, 1096 years later, you have John on the Isle of Patmos. So that's 1089 plus seven. Yeah, I, I'm, right now we're not going to explain it, but if somebody wants me to in, in the future, um, we can do that. But I'm just throwing it out there so you can make a note because all of this is tied in. It's, it's one picture. Okay, so uh, 1,096 years after the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's been banished there and he receives the vision of Yahshua Messiah. So let's go to Revelations, the first chapter, read the first verse for me. Revelation one and one, you said? Yep. The revelation of Yahshua the Messiah, which Yahweh gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of Yahweh and of the testimony of Yahshua the Messiah and of all things that he saw. So what, what is written in the book of Revelation is what John John said he saw the revelation of Yahshua the Messiah. So I just wanted to, to show you that both Moses and John are talking about the same person. All right, so let's um, jump to uh, Revelation the uh, eighth chapter to pick up where John is talking about what he saw when he saw Yahshua back there with Israel. So let's read uh, 
Now th this, this um, what I'm explaining to you um, is really significant to me because I actually learned this from uh, a, a teacher in Springfield that has passed um, a few years ago, Nathan Higgins. Some of you remember him. And he would throw out a lot of these gems. And I remember it's probably maybe um, getting close to 20 years ago. He was actually going over this. And I was listening to him in the classroom. And he's going through a simple calculation that I'm going to show you here. Um, you already have the formula. And um, he skipped a step. And I was like, what? I, I I wasn't, he lost me when he skipped a step in this calculation of prophetic time with this event. And so I went home and uh, at the time I was, uh, my husband and I, we were living in Aunt Nightabelle's house. Some of you have heard of it. That's where, you know, Dr. Kinley would spend summers at when he would come back from Los Angeles to Springfield. So I'm living there and Nathan lives right across the street. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to get a pen and a paper, piece of paper and I'm going to do this myself. Because for Carla, I have to see every single step and I have to go through it slowly in order to understand what you're talking about. Um, so I said, that's not right what he wrote on, on the floor you know, on the floor. I don't know how he got that figure. So, but when I went home and I did the calculation myself, I realized that he has skipped a step and it lost me. Um, so as soon as I, as, as soon as I realized what uh, Nathan um, was demonstrating, it was like um, uh, a firestorm went off in my brain and all of a sudden everything in the Bible read differently for me. I, I could understand a little bit more about what was going on and how everything was interrelated. Um, and Yahweh just flooded me with information. Um, so, um, okay. So this has a special um, significance to me, this event. So go ahead and read uh, Revelation, the uh, eighth chapter. Revelation eight and one. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before Yahweh, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all sons upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the sons, ascended up before Yahweh out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. 
Okay. The first so just in this, these first six verses here, most of the world believes that what is written in Revelation is all talking about future events. If you don't understand prophetic time, you will have a hard time relating uh, the first six verses of the eighth chapter of Revelations that John is actually looking back at Yahshua, the Messiah, back with Israel. So let's 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 go through it. Let's read this over again um, a little slowly. And um, I'm going to stop you um, during certain word phrases. Okay. Starting again at one. Uh-huh. And you guys are going to want to write down some notes. Or if you don't write them down now, go back and read it and cross-reference yourself. Okay. Revelation 8 and 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Okay. Space of half an hour. What is space? What is the space of half an hour? I'm going to write. Does someone answer? I was guessing 20 years from your earlier thing. One to a year 40 thing. Okay. Um, all right. So um, I wrote it in, in the chat. What? Oh, let's just say what is a space of half an hour. Um, you guys can correct that. But um, keep keep that in your notes. What is a space of half an hour? And write it next to your prophetic time formula. Okay. So here, John is saying that there, um, when the seventh seal was open, there was silence in heaven for space of half an hour. Now we already read back with Joshua how he instructed uh, the, the army to, when they go around the city, they are to do it in silence. Okay. Uh, keep reading. And I saw the seven angels which stood before Yahweh, and to them were given seven trumpets. So now John's talking about seven angels that stood before Yahweh, and they had seven trumpets. So the children of Israel, when they went around the city, they had that Ark of the Covenant, right? Mm -hmm. You'll have to go back and, and read, um, sit down quietly and, and, and do the references for yourself. Um, then there was uh, seven priests and they had seven ram's horns or seven trumpets. This John here is talking about those same people uh, with the conquering of the city of Jericho. Read the next verse. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all sons upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. So he talks about another angel. And this angel has a golden censer and he has a lot of incense. 
who is this? This is Yahshua that he's seeing. He sees Yahshua, the angel, who has a lot of incense, who is offering um, uh, this incense up with the prayers of the sons or the army that are to be silent before the throne of Yahweh, which is the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the sons, ascended up before Yahweh out of the angel's hand. Now, this army of people, just imagine if you were there, you're, you're one of the people that's walking around this city, you know, for seven days. There, there is no doubt in any of our minds that those men were not praying within themselves. That makes sense. <laughs> this is a stressful time. War is, is, is not a, it's not a good thing, you know, and there's, you know, everybody's praying and, uh, go ahead and read. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So here you have, um, uh, you have voices, which are the trumpets that the priests had to blow after that seventh um, revolution around the city on the seventh day. There's thunderings. That's the sound of the men shouting uh, after those, after they hear the sound of the trumpets. And then you have thunderings and an earthquake, which is that city falling before them. And they, that the city of Jericho was judged at that time. So how do I know that this is really talking about uh, Jericho. It sounds good, right? So we're going to go and we're going to do the calculation for space of half an hour to solidify the claim that these are the same events. So I'm going to write down in the chat so that you guys have the notes. A prophetic day. Well, let's do it like this. We're going to reference Numbers 1434. You have a prophetic day is equal to a prophetic year. So you have that. So we're going to do the, the formula here. We're going to break this down to figure out what is the space of half an hour that John was talking about? So we're going to take 24 hours in a day, and we're going to do 360 days. And then we're going to break, we're trying to get down to a half an hour, okay? So you have one hour is equal to 360 days divided by 24 hours. And then once you, uh, someone with a calculator, tell me what's 360 divided by 
24. This is where Nathan threw me off. <laughs> 15? Yep. So one hour in prophetic time, we're not talking about time with Yahweh. That's something different. We're talking about prophecy, the prophetic sequence. We're talking about um, repetition here and lining up, seeing how Genesis and Revelation is all talking about the same vision of Yahshua. So one hour in prophetic time is equivalent to seven days in a prophetic year. And so then uh, how long is, how much time or how many days is a half an hour? So 15 days divided by- an hour equals 15 days you wrote. Now you say one hour is 14 days? 15. Okay. So 360 days divided by 24 is- 15. Should be 15. It's 15. Yep. And then 15 days divided in half to make half an hour be seven and a half days. Yep. It? Yep. So I'm going to write seven days approximately. So when John is talking about, read the first, first uh, verse again of eight, Revelation eight. Revelation eight. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So what John is seeing back with Yahshua with Israel conquering Jericho, he sees um, that there's silence in heaven, which we see on the Moses chart. We equate Canaan's land to heaven or the third heaven. There's silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. So he sees that seven days right there, approximately seven days. So this is how you can equate um, how you can get prophetic time and then tie in that what Moses saw in his vision and what John saw in his vision, Moses on the, uh, the Mount Sinai and John on the Isle of Patmos, which an island we've been told is the, the top of a mountain that is covered by the sea, <laughs> right? That they're seeing the same thing. This is another way to see that they are seeing the same thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Now, the reason why I, um, um, when Sasha was giving his lecture um, on Jubilee, that was the topic in Lansing. Um, you you can miss out a whole lot if you do not understand prophetic time. You can miss a lot about Jubilee if you don't understand this one thing right here. And that's like several more lectures after that, just on the topic of Jubilee. So um, when when was the first, um, the first Jubal that was celebrated? Do you know? 
50 years after they came to the Canaan's land. Yep. So, um, so if you, you understand that, then you can also equate that to um, 50 days of Pentecost. So you have, um, if you understand something about the 50 days in relation to Pentecost, then you can equate that to 50 years of a jubile or a jubilee. You see? Mm -hmm. Yes. And there, there's a whole lot of detail um, that we can cover if you like and anyone's interested in the future. But um, that's what I wanted to share with uh, Sasha and the rest of you today. And that's um, really the end of what I wanted to cover. Well, thank you. Was it too complicated or uninteresting? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you guys got something out of it. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Were you going to talk about two thousand or something? Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on that because that that'll take a lot more time. Oh. And we might be, or what what time? For me, it's 9.30. I don't know what time it is. We have another half hour. Yeah. yeah. I think we should, we should cover that in another time. And, and Dana doesn't want to speak tonight, does he? He hasn't woken up. He he gets up, <laughs> he, he gets up at 3 in the morning. I know he does. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard for him in the evening. So yeah. he said, he said I'm, I'm going to get up in a minute. And then <laughs> I haven't seen him. <laughs> So, okay. Carla, uh, uh, a question. You mm -hmm. mentioned the principle of uh, 1089. Could you elaborate on this, please? Mm, that's another um, uh, long uh, lecture there. Okay, so, oh, and someone did um, mention earlier i saw they wanted to know about the the um the uh months around the tabernacle so those two things are related actually hey rick do we have the elementary chart with uh like we have a class with the blue around it that has the months and stuff I mean, not the elementary, the 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 oh, the, the old uh, the old one that we have the ages and dispensations. The one we have in the classroom is different than this one. Yeah, no, we don't have ours. The, like the circle chart, but with like the squares on the no. top. I don't think no, we the have one. A... I'm talking about this elementary chart. Our one in the classroom has the tabernacle by the seasons, and it has all that stuff. The one we have in our classroom. We don't have that one in our. You keep mixing up elementary chart and ages and dispensations. Yeah, I'm not, I, every time I say elementary, put it ages in your head. <laughs> no, we don't have I, it. I know when I visited Green Bay, I saw that they had a chart in the back of their room that had it. I think they said they got it from Jeffrey Simmons, and he he got it from Lejeune. Oh, that one with the moons on it and stuff. It might. I I, um, I don't. It was my first time seeing it actually. His yeah. chart. So. 
I don't have that one. I've seen that one. I'm not sure if we have it or not. I know Jeffrey did present that in class. Okay. He said he recopied the chart that Lejeune Gill made. It was worn out and he repainted one. Okay. And he has the months around the tabernacle. Yes. Yeah, so um, uh, Mrs. Gill actually, um, when I visited her one, one time, mentioned how that her, because um, uh, Dr. Kinley was her uncle. Her mother, Elizabeth, was Dr. Kinley's sister, oh. one of his two sisters. Nida Bell was one sister. Elizabeth, June's mother, was his other sister. And um, so um, Lejeune mentioned to me how that um, her uncle sat her down uh, one day and showed her um, how to put those months around the tabernacle and uh, and then how to, how that what you read in your scriptures, no, what you what you read in the newspaper back when back when people used to read newspapers <laughs> that what you read in your newspaper is the same thing that's written in your scriptures and you can understand that when you're watching the news or listening to the news and you see certain things happen that you can uh pick up um what you hear on TV or read in, in the magazine or newspaper, and then you can go right into your scriptures, looking at that tabernacle and looking at time and say, okay, here we are. This, this is why this is happening. And I learned so much from just listening to Lejeune um, on that. Um, I don't have a way to, to draw on here I we have a whiteboard but i don't know how to access callie do you know how she can either. access it i've never done that either well it when you click whiteboard it says you cannot open a whiteboard during a screen share so uh, you might have to stop screen share but then she'll need to click on whiteboard can you see the whiteboard at the bottom of your screen yep i see it what happens when you click on it let's see Um, let's see, whiteboard, something is loading. Yep. Uh, it says to sign in. Oh, you went to a Zoom screen. Yeah. Uh, collaborating, meeting participants. Yeah. There you go. Loading Ooh. your whiteboard. Look at it. And then you get a little pen and you can. <laughs> yeah, just draw it. Okay, this is um, this is gonna be this is gonna be wild, you guys. <laughs> Let's see. Explore new tools. Yeah, oh, or, or you can type it too, probably. I uh, would need to draw it. So this is the, the tabernacle. Ooh, look at, oh, I can um. Ooh, it's, how do you delete? Let's see. I can use the text and put. I'm slowly place. This is gonna be but the arrows at the bottom open up to find the way through. This is unsplored and yeah, territory. territory for me too, you know. Yeah. I learned somehow. 
Yeah. Yeah. Looks like kindergarten all over again. Yeah. Uh oh, Callie, she can click a line. She made two points and made a line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like made a line can... around it. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to answer um, Sasha's question as well. CRA. Yep. Well. Well. <laughs> okay. Um, so are you, was somebody? Um, I'm just putting the lines around it so you can see the tabernacle if you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that helps. Uh, so just really quickly, Sasha, 1089, when I see it, Rep, uh, represented in the scriptures and I can see it and I can see it in um, the antediluvian age I can see it uh, from the post into the just after the present age where does uh, it come from though where do you get the number well it's something that Dr. Kinley went over so I just learned something from um uh, when I was in at the Gates, New York, um, uh, picnic, picnic. Yeah. uh, I think it was last year and Rhonda Brazil and Diane Emler were, uh, talking about the, the ought. And I, I, okay. I heard them and I said, what is the ought? And they, they described it to me and I said, oh, <laughs> they, um, said that Dr. Kinley talked about it. And for some reason, I've never like even recognized that word. Um, but I knew what they were talking about as soon as they described it. And I said, Jack Carr, you, I remember uh, at, it was like um, I had just come to Springfield. And so I was trying to get acclimated back in the 90s. You know, when you go to another class, you have to you have to train your ear to to hear new teachers that you weren't used to. Sasha never has that problem. Because <laughs> everybody has a different teaching style. I'm sure yeah. some of you guys are having a hard time with me. But um, so I remember Jack Carr getting up on the floor and he said that Dr. Kenley would write the numbers one through nine and he would put a circle around it. And I remember Jack did that on the on the board at class in Springfield and then he just moved on with his conversation and I was like what does that mean <laughs> but it wasn't until years later when after I had um the prophetic time here when I had understood that then all of a sudden all that other stuff that I had questions about with time because when people would talk about do calculations in class none of it ever made any sense to me i i i thought people were just um i making still do uh that they're just making up stuff to look good and they don't really understand what they're talking about um okay so 
let's move on from that. But um, so 1089 to 96 is the same as the ought. It is um, uh, in the scriptures, the principle of the all in all. It is when you read in the scriptures, how that uh, you are, you, you all know this, you are complete in him. It is a complete cycle, okay? Um, so let's do this. Um, uh, let's do the numbers. This is what, uh, I'm going to do it this way. And I think, uh, one of the lectures that Beverly Allen, um, that she had transcribed some years ago, she actually has this drawn out. But I had no idea at the time that about this word ought. You see that? Yep. So that this is what Jack Carr, the numbers one through nine, and it's just showing that it's complete here. Now the the same thing with ten eighty nine. It's the same thing. It's not different. So what Dr. Kinley would do, I of course I didn't see him do it because you know I was a baby when he died, but I would hear people talk about how that he would. Let, let's do this. Um, shoot, you can't do screen sharing, so everybody's going to have to use their, their, um, their. Uh, Why are there mind. so many things on this screen bouncing around? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think they're helping. <laughs> they are. So, they're driving me crazy. <laughs> okay. So, um, where was I? Um. Um, the ought 1089 one through nine one through nine yeah hold on um for a minute um oh okay all right so everyone think about what you see on the elementary chart the very first plate is with adam or the edenic transgression and right. it demonstrates how he was in heaven that this is what i um just from understanding prophetic time, all of a sudden, boom, I understood this point right here that I grew up as a little girl, always hearing my father say in Cincinnati, I grew up in Cincinnati, he would say that Dr. Kenley said, the moment that Adam died, Yahshua raised. And that never made sense to me because in my brain, that was at least a good maybe 4,000 or so years difference. So how the moment that um, Adam dies, Yahshua raised. And I understood it by this simple thing right here, which if I write it, um, how would you do a, I don't know how you would, uh, Let's see, do we have any symbols? Nope. Okay. Another one. Carl, I'll just do it like this. Um, if you do, uh, 
What's 33 times 33? Where'd my phone go? <laughs> 1089. 1089. So as soon as I... Uh, understood something about prophetic time and I and I and the thought I believe that Yahweh was teaching me that oh okay so th this is why I'm telling you that the scriptures read different for me so I know that Yash that Adam who uh died um 33 days um into um, while he, 33 days in the garden of Eden, there was a transgression. And so then Adam died at 33, just like the Messiah. Well, Carla, how do you, how do you know that? <laughs> so 33 times 33. So how do, how do I get 33? The 33 Random. days. So, um, the very, the second major trip of Moses, he's up in the Mount of Sinai. He sees seven days of creation. He's, he sees the creation of the heaven and earth in seven days. It didn't take seven days, right? So um, after the seventh day, well, Adam is created on the sixth day. Uh, seventh day, yeah, Yahweh rested from his... Yahweh Elohim rested from his work of creating. And so then um, Yahshua um, diverts Moses' attention from the days of creation to the tabernacle for 33 more days. And then the 40th day. Um, so in, in Moses' mind, Adam is in the garden at peace, um, innocent in tranquility for 33 days and then on the 40th day Yahshua disrupts the vision in anger and tells him to get down to the children of Israel they have corrupted themselves they have made themselves a golden calf that's where you get the transgression in Moses's mind and then after 40 days of repentance then Moses is called back up for his third major trip for another 40 days. And Yahshua brings back um, what Dr. Kenley used the word recapitulation. <laughs> he re he goes over again those, those days of creation. That's why Moses in the second chapter of Genesis says that in the day that Yahweh created the heavens and the earth. So in 33 days, um, uh, that then uh, Yahshua shows Moses that, oh, the same thing that Israel did is what happened in Eden. Uh, there was a transgression there, right? He's teaching Moses, right? So 33 days, uh, there's, there's no transgression. So... Adam is in a heavenly state, mentally, spiritually. So those 33 days that um, Adam is in the garden at peace is equivalent to 33 years. 
um, of the Messiah. And so then you have a day for a year right there. So if you were to take on a look at the elementary chart and you see, I remember my father always talking about when Dr. Kinley would talk about uh, when Adam uh, died that Yahshua raised and that it was very intentional that the Edenic transgression plate is over top of what is it called a death barrel resurrection ascension plate underneath on the elementary chart you guys remember that yes it is i see it on i have a chart here yeah it's it's it's, it's set up that way to demonstrate that so so what what that when i see when i saw that i'm like oh 33, 33, 1089, that's a complete cycle. There's a, a an ascending and a descending. It's that it's the all in all. It's a completion. It's a complete cycle. It's done. <laughs> right. Um, so when I see this number, either of these numbers, actually, this is seven. Um uh, you're adding in the the uh, vision. We've Seven got about days. five minutes left. Yeah, see, I knew this was going to take a long time. <laughs> um, okay, so the months, yeah. So uh, when when I, uh, as you're putting this around here, um, you can also take this here and you can super impose it here everybody's building on that thing cool oh, i can't <laughs> yeah. see everything this is the oh, there same, we go the same thing here um okay so um i mentioned earlier about I had you guys read briefly in Genesis, the first chapter, and how that each of these um, um, cycles, like a, a day and a year and month and a um, week, week, week of ages, that there is a, something in the heavens that Yahweh put in place that marks marks that time so um with these months around here we're putting the names as we know them but israel would have put the first month second month third month fourth fifth sixth seven and so um, each one of these 12 months could also um, represent 12 constellations in the heavens and each one of the constellations, okay, would represent an age. Why do I say that? I'm going to give you guys something to study or look up. 
get rid of this chat here. Do you guys see that yeah. term? Yeah. I want you, you need guys to get to... together with Sasha. He knows how to make uh, print these things out ahead of time so you can just put them up on the screen. Yeah. He can teach so, you. Oh, and then also you need to do some research on this here. Uh, I hope I'm spelling it correctly. You guys need to do research on these two things here. Analema. If I'm if I'm spelling, am I spelling that right? Let me go to. I don't know what the word is. Uh, Google. Yep, I'm missing it. I'm missing an M on here. All right. So, um, and reading that open letter. Um, to the IDMR and um, them talking about D-Day. Um, they don't understand um, what Dr. Kinley was doing when he sat down with my grandma, Christine, and they were actually in the scriptures and they were writing calculations. You all know how to do it, but nobody, I guess, has maybe um, um, really pointed it out to you. Dr. Kinley said that you could do the same thing by the watch on your arm. You can know what's going on. And he demonstrated that with um, with uh, my grandma, Christine. And he also demonstrated it with um, with Lejeune. And show, but look, the time is gone. And I, I would have to talk to you for another two hours. <laughs> but... Um, this analemma is exactly what Dr. Kinley showed Lejeune on how to put these months around the tabernacle. It's an apparent um, uh, motion of the sun in a year's time. And if you look at the, um, the equinoxes, and, and you place it all here on the tabernacle, you'll see exactly. And, and uh, scientists, they'll, they'll have those months around too. You're looking at the same thing. Yeah, there it is. That motion, apparent motion in the sky that the sun makes. And so then when it comes to the ages, um, in reference to this year 2000, you guys need to look and see what the precession of the equinox is, and then we'll talk about it again another time. Um, there's two transcripts. If you're you're muted, Diane, you got to unmute. Diane. She was just talking to me. Not oh, okay. that's why I hit mute. Yeah. She was saying there's two transcripts. Okay. Now, I, I had mentioned um, before with my uncle and, yes. and how that he had um, drawn out the ages and dispensations chart. And Dr. Kinley said that it looked good, but it wasn't quite right. There's some things on there that can, um, uh, right. you know, cause some misconceptions, which it has. Um, and my uncle has spent, devoted his entire life and studying that's all I could leave the house what is it 10 o'clock right now I could leave the house right now 
go over to my uncle's house and he will either be reading, studying, diagramming or something. Or maybe he'll just be sitting down watching the documentary and I'll, you know, I can talk to him anytime, day or night about this. He's uh, this procession of the equinox and analemma is and some other things is something that he's pointed out to me. Diane's pointed out two transcripts where Dr. Kinley works with the 1089 and 7. <clears throat> One of them is entitled, Earth Will Not Abide Forever. Mm -hmm. And the other is The True Elohim and Numerology. Yep. Thank you. Shall we close out class and then we can continue the conversation? Yeah, I suppose <laughs> we ought to. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. The Madison Class holds Zoom class on Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Central Time. And we hope that you'll join us again. Uh, just a reminder to please stay muted until we get the all clear. We will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.